This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. Now, we didn't manage to talk about a seminar that you went to last week about science communication. Yeah, there's, um, Otago University have got an ongoing series uh, in the science communication department, and they've um, had some really interesting speakers, and it's a, it's a uh, live stream once a week. And so I totally recommend um, everybody just go and have a look at that. You can just uh, put uh, Otago University uh, Science Communication in Google and it'll come up with a link. That's cool. And we've we've talked to several people from Science Communication. Yeah, and we're going to do more. Yes, we are. And um, actually, it's going to be a good way to help us find more people to talk to. <laughs> and who are we talking to with today? Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce from the United States of America. Um, we have uh, Corey Kilgore, who is the director of the MHCH Foundation, and Christine Hamilton, who is the president of the MHCH Foundation. It is a great pleasure to have you with us today, ladies. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Welcome, Corey and Christine. So you're gonna have we're gonna have to take it in turns and and double up on some of the questions, but more the merrier. Where are you, Corey? I am located in Houston, Texas. So yes, the known only to me known only to me as Houston. We have a problem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> known to lots of people that way. <laughs> And Christine, where are you? I'm in South Dakota. I'm just uh, overlooking the Missouri River in South Dakota. Dakota. I do know there. I've driven up that road from Nebraska up to Manitoba. Ah, awesome. (laughs) I spent a year in Nebraska. So we better start with what is the MHCH Foundation Okay, so Christine, would you like to take that one? Sure, I will. So MHCH stands for Matson Halverson, Christensen, Hamilton, and it's a multi-generational family. And uh, my ancestors created the uh, farming and ranching activities that support the foundation today. So we're, we're happy to have uh, some philanthropic activities that have been funded by efforts that span over a hundred years. Wow. And what sort of activities do you do? 
So we farm and ranch. We grow corn, soybeans, winter wheat, alfalfa, and we have a cow-calf operation. So we have, uh, now is the calving season, we have lots of cute calves running around and frolicking <laughs> on the prairie. And uh, and then we feed the calves and, and sell them the next year. Ooh. And you're the president of that? Uh, actually, I'm the CEO of that organization. And for MHCH, I am the, the chairman of the board, um, just a small family foundation. So the title's bigger than <laughs> it actually is. <laughs> and what does the foundation part do? Corey, would you like to take that one? Sure. So um, the mission of the MHCH Foundation is primarily rural economic development. And um, so we're really, we're, we're about rural, rural communities, um, increasing vitality within rural communities. And um, much of our focus over the past 10 years has really been about um, healthcare and how healthcare can be Become a driver for economic development in rural communities because many times um, it tends to be one of the largest employers in rural communities. So a lot of our um, focus over the past 10 years has really been the role of the rural nurse um, in those communities and how they can serve as a leader for wellness and all of those, all of those good things. We have been asking people on this show how their bubble life was. And of course, the people that aren't in New Zealand have to describe what bubbles were. So bubbles were, were what we described the, um, well, basically how we described the pandemic. So I'm going to ask it anyway. How was your bubble life? <laughs> Very interesting. Oh, goodness gracious, huh? <laughs> um, for me, um, the working from home piece really wasn't that new. I've been doing that since 98. I guess um, the bubble life, um, wow, you really you really learn to um, value human connection, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, a lot of it, too, was trying to understand how to rethink our work so that we could adapt to what was happening, right? Um, so... Um, yeah, so really like a focus on connections in a way that um, were different, right? <laughs> so how did it affect your work? Um, I think it, you know, it was really looking at rethinking the work in a way that we might leverage some of the uh, uh, leverage what was happening around us in terms of an opportunity. So you know, how how might we take the programs um, that we've been that we had been focusing on for several years? and try to redesign those in a way that we could execute those in a virtual environment. Um, so the cool thing about that was um, the positive impact was really what, that rethinking allowed us to have a larger impact. Um, we really are a, a smaller fam family foundation. And prior to the pandemic, um, the majority of our focus was in the Northern Great Plains, South Dakota, North Dakota. Um, and now it has become global, um, which helps to explain the connection with you guys. So that's all been really positive and really exciting and um, really cool. So a focus on rural health as, as a means to, or the connection between that and economic uh, development, how has that been affected by the pandemic? Uh, I think that, um, you know, from um, a workforce perspective, there have been lots of challenges, um, lots of, obviously, we know burnout um, 
with nurses and healthcare providers in general. Um, I think that what we have been doing from a program perspective has been really um, a sweet spot with the timing in that um, our focus has been around connections um, and networking and how we might provide rural nurses around the globe with a source for um, learning from each other, providing support networks to each other, um, so um, from that perspective, I think the timing could not have been better, right? Um, with the shared commonalities that everyone was experiencing with the pandemic. Yes, I hadn't thought of that shared experience can be an opportunity to, to identify the other shared experiences. Right, right. Christine, how has the pandemic affected South Dakota? Well, South Dakota, um, as you probably know, having spent time in Nebraska, is a rural state. Uh, except for what we call our cities of Sioux Falls and Rapid City, <laughs> and uh, really probably aren't cities in in a global sense. But anyway, they're our largest communities. And uh, farming and agriculture uh, was designated an essential industry. So from a day-to-day -day standpoint, people's work did not change dramatically. Uh, I still went into the office. I still went to the farm. Uh, still was out and about and, you know, talking to people from six feet away, I guess. <laughs> uh, so that 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 was not uh, terribly dramatic. But the, I think the fear of what might happen impacted everyone uh, a lot, just like it has all of us. The uncertainty, the not knowing, uh, you know, how any particular um, bout of COVID would affect an individual kind of, I think, put a damper on everyone's spirits and, and thinking and emotions. And it's, uh, it's been a difficult time. But uh, we have also learned about uh, growth that can happen and transformation that can happen as a result of going through the hard times. And so that's uh, something that I think we want to focus on, uh, particularly coming out of this pandemic and how we have commonalities there as well. Has it presented opportunities in, in terms of the the activities of the foundation? Oh, yeah, hugely, yes. I mean, I, I really believe that um, the, the, pande the pandemic <laughs> really became a catalyst um, for the MHCH to have an opportunity to increase its footprint. Um, and thinking about, you know, we moved from before the pandemic, our connection with New Zealand was we were working with the university there to look at how we would exchange students from between um, South Dakota and New Zealand who would um, go for three week um, internships in rural communities. Um, and what um, and we were really moving forward with that until the, the pandemic really started to take place in March of 2020. And so what we did is our team, we kind of all went away for about a month. Um, we tried to digest what was happening. And then we came back. And the really cool thing was that everyone had the same level of enthusiasm and energy um, around what we were doing, but to really think about how we might move forward um, within the new environment. And um, the result of that was a program that will allow us to impact um, many, many more 
um, you know, you don't have the same cost structures um, with what we're doing um, now moving forward with the way we were thinking prior to the pandemic. So it's been hugely positive. It's been a really, it's been one of those unintended consequences, right? Um, that has a positive story behind it. Let's take the first of your music choices. Thunderclap Newman, Something in the Air. Why this one? <laughs> There's definitely something in the air, right? Um <laughs> I think one of the interesting things about the pandemic and, and what we're what we're having to struggle with now too is that there are so many things that are in the air, right? That are all kind of, you know, they're hitting us all at the same time, right? We have, you know, um, everything that's happening with climate change. Um, now we have this horrible thing that's going on um, in Europe, right? So um, something in the air. So what, um, you know, um, what's happening with um, the lack of trust in science, um, you know, that we saw throughout the pandemic, um, you know, yeah, what, what's going on, right? <laughs> what does all that mean? <laughs> and then it says, you know, we need to get it together. Um, we need to get it together now. So, yeah, I think we, we do, right? <laughs>
possibly the greatest instrumental section of any song there is. Mawira. Ladies, we, um, where I live here in the Eastern Bay of Plenty, we have um, an incredibly diverse population from the wealthiest to people who've, you know, come out from, from Auckland and, and spend a few thousand, a few million dollars rather on buying a house they haven't even looked at just because it's on the beach um, and who come here for a few weeks a year through to people who are two or three hours from a hospital in really vulnerable positions where they're often cut off because of climate change affecting, you know, storms and things like that. Um, and um, we've, we've got everything in the middle of that. How do you prepare nurses to um, to cope with that kind of diversity? Because I'm assuming you guys have that same kind of diversity in your uh, uh, in your practice areas as well. Uh, we we do actually. Um, you know, I think that um, the diversity comes in in all sorts of different types of situations. Um, I think that um, one of the one of the things that we that we learned as a foundation early on with our programs was that um, it's very difficult to recruit um, nurses to rural communities um, if they're not from that community or if they grew up in urban centers. It's it's really challenging. So some of the programs that we created were focused on how we might provide educational opportunities for those living in the rural communities who wanted to work towards their nursing degree um, with the opportunity to do that at home. Um, so that allows them to kind of move into that in, into the role, right, with already understanding the community. Um, and um, in South Dakota, South Dakota, one of the largest um, economies is hunting and it attracts people from all over the U.S., all over the world. They travel to South Dakota to pheasant hunt. Um, and so um, and really, if you grow up there, if you grow up in those rural communities, you understand that and you're prepared for that. Right. And in many ways to see different faces and that kind of thing. You will just continue talking. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we also have so we've got a different health system funding model here in New Zealand from what you guys have because we have a, a public health system that funds pretty much any health uh, procedure that you need um, it uh, gives discounted visits to GPS and uh, and and all of our drugs are funded by government as well so it's um, so we're, we're really fortunate to have the system but it doesn't always care for things like mental health as well as it could and at the moment we have um, here in the Eastern Bay Plenty we're lucky because we've got some people who are doing a lot of fundraising to uh, to fund mental health support for our business owners which um, has just it's been really huge um, to see the impact of that and so I, I wonder how, how are you guys um, positioned in that mental health space and and are you are you active in there, particularly in people who would miss out uh, on support with things like climate anxiety, COVID anxiety, and all the other anxieties that we're all facing right now? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a huge issue um, in the U.S. as well. Well, and it's an issue for those that are even covered 
um, with insurance, and it's really it's it's a it's a pervasive lack of av availability at this point because the mental health issues have just really have skyrocketed um, since COVID, and um, we have um, someone who. Um, is involved in our programs who works within um, one of the large healthcare centers in the U.S. And she has talked about the long waiting list for anyone to have access to mental health care at this point, not just those that are disadvantaged. So it's it was a problem before COVID, and now it is just a really, really, really big challenge um, that um, unfortunately um, uh, could be quite some time. Um, before we understand what the correct solution for that should be. Yep, it's much the same in New Zealand, actually. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. the, the problems have been exacerbated by COVID. Everything right. seems to have got worse because of COVID. Mm. For the work that you do, you must both have a really high level of hopefulness for the future. You must have a vision for what the future looks like. What has inspired that in you and your practice? So vitality to me is uh, arises from community and a sense of community. And one of the positive aspects of a, a rural economy and rural area is that there are many small communities and the small communities become like big families. So it's uh, it really is, uh, you know, the relationships that come out of that that create vitality and where we wanted to um, provide uh, a contribution was in providing opportunities to set the bar of excellence, uh, you know, to for more people to offer the opportunity for education uh, to a wider base in a small community than than before. And fortunately, there there is a hospital in our community that is of a size where nursing students can do their clinical studies. And so that has enabled, as Corey said earlier, uh, some students to get a nursing degree, a BSN, that they would not have otherwise been able to get. And Corey, for you, your hopefulness, where does that stem from? I think that it has been really exciting over the past two years to watch um, nursing students around the world collaborate and learn from each other. Um, you know, some of the questions that they ask each other, are just, you know, basic things. What does a house look like in your rural community? Um, so they're, they're working on projects together virtually. And we have students in um, Kenya who are working with students at University of North Carolina. We have students in um, Tanzania who are working with students in South Dakota. So it, it's really exciting um, and, and heartwarming to see how this is starting to, to kind of evolve. Um, so not, not only are they learning about nursing, but they're learning about what, it, what, what things look like on the opposite side of the world. So they're broadening their worldview. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool to watch happen. <laughs> That's really neat. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanu i kia koutou ko tahua hau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are, 
and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together has proven to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. The triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here making things better. Thank you. So as I speak with you, I'm off to collect my lovely social work intern, Tanika, and she's coming to help me at Orokanui today, which will be wonderful. And we will have lots of beautiful children from Grant's Bray's school, thinking all about storytelling in the living world, so my faves. So I'm very excited about that. And it's a beautiful day. There's a blue sky, there's beautiful autumnal trees, there's a lushness and a vitality abounding and surrounding, so really a great day which started with a beautiful, beautiful sunrise. So at this time, of course, as throughout time and space, the living world can be such a great source of comfort and reconnection with oneself and with others, remembering who we are on the most essential level, part of an ecosystem and contributing something new. It's been really interesting for me to get more involved with the social work realm and I'm so grateful for these opportunities especially for ecotherapy at Otokunoi Eco Sanctuary, my heart's home workplace. And Tanika and I will be opening a new social workspace in town this evening, which will be very exciting, along with the amazing Mandy Mayhem and her gigantic pair of scissors. There will be a ceremonial ribbon cutting, so this is very exciting. And I'm honoured to be asked to be there and be part of it all and of course now that we are able to return more to spending time together in person it's such a gift to be able to have this time and space where we can connect and I know for me that I'm learning so much at the moment about how to care for myself yet again under a new set of circumstances. I'm having to work a lot as we're very short-staffed and poor Taylor has broken his foot. So balancing my energy levels and making sure I'm looking after myself properly are all really important. And I know that we're all learning this throughout our lives. And we just learn more and more about how to do that. And when we can come together and share, we can help one another to reflect what processes work best for us. We can learn so much more, we can help each other so much more. We don't need to feel alone in our struggles. We don't need to feel alone in our ongoing learning and growth. We can feel part of an ever co-evolving place of life and beauty and sanctuary. 
so I'm hoping this evening that I will be able to connect Tanika with some really great people for her future career in social work, but also I will be able to meet interesting new people for me that I may be able to work with more at Aorokanoi and learn from. So I really hope for you, you're getting these opportunities to see a bigger picture that you're part of and you're getting to see how your unique contribution is so precious and so valuable and you're learning more and more each day how to give yourself what you need. And I'm so grateful, of course, to be part of this show. So a big thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team and to all of you for having me. And I'll talk with you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Christine Hamilton in South Dakota and Corey Gilgore in Houston, Texas. Christine, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years of the pandemic. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Well, I think there's going to be uh, a couple of major trends. Uh, One is there'll be a hybrid between kind of working in person and working virtually. And I don't know where that will shake out. It will likely be different in in various industries. Uh, I think people have enjoyed some of the freedoms of working from home. But at the same time, you know, the organizations that benefit from people being in community in person together uh, maybe haven't fared quite so well. So I think we'll find a, a middle ground there. And uh, I think we'll also, as Corey was talking about the excitement of creating global communities, I think we see opportunities for people to connect in ways that they haven't before and with people that they never dreamed they would be talking to before. And uh, you know, as someone who firmly believes that broadening our worlds is a positive thing, I think that will be a very hopeful sign for all of us. Actually, Christine and I were we were talking about this a little earlier today, and we were talking about this migration to rule that we have seen. I'm, I'm not I, I don't know if you guys have experienced that in New Zealand, but in the U.S., there has been this migration to to rural communities. As a matter of fact, where I am in Texas, I never ever would have dreamed that um, real estate that homes would be priced at the same level that you might see in the city in Houston. Um, in these rural communities because of this exodus. So I guess the question is, you know, is that going to stick? Um, you know, will, will that continue? Or as we, um, you know, move through post-pandemic, will, will people start to kind of work their way back to the, to the urban centers? I think probably they will to a certain extent because of what Christine just said about um, hybrid models. I think they'll, they'll, they will be forced to somewhat. Um, so anyway, it certainly is an interesting question for a foundation like MHCH whose focus is rural communities, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> You've got a whole pile of new people to be thinking about. Right, right. Who perhaps don't have the same connection because a big part of the, the being in the rural is that connection to place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think, I think you know, South Dakota has seen um, an increase in population um, during the pandemic. Um, and in Texas, um, we've seen quite a bit of migration from um, the West, from California um, and New York. Um, those, 
those things I think are happening for other reasons as well. But, um, you know, yeah, I, we see that firsthand all the time. You go to a rural town, maybe, you know, two hour drive outside of Houston and, you know, half of the license plates say California. Um, so it becomes a very different place, right? Um, they bring their own culture and so it's different. Do you think that there are lessons that we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger sorts of questions that we face as a as a global community? And we mentioned things like climate change. Oh, wow. We hope so, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that it would be, you know, that life is fragile um, and things can change very, very, very quickly. Um, and, um, you know, these things are, are, are larger than we are. Um, they're larger than anyone, any, any one particular country. They're huge. They involve our entire planet. Um, the pandemic was, did not pick and choose, right? Which, which countries, I mean, we all experienced that together. And, um, of course that's the, the same scenario that we're headed towards with climate change. So I guess we can be hopeful, right, that that's the case. <laughs> I don't know the extent to which rural South Dakota feels like it's part of the world, um, but does it has it made that stronger or has it isolated? Well, that's that's an interesting question. I don't know that it's really changed that, that much. I don't think the needle has moved on that very much. Uh, we have seen people move into the Black Hills, but uh, I think as we discussed earlier, that's an area where there are scenic amenities. And so people move where they enjoy the scenery, if it's the uh, evergreen trees or the beach or whatever it is. So that that has changed somewhat. And, you know, that brings all kinds of questions of what does what does the new configuration look like and what are, what are the consequences of that? Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Canned Heat going up the country. Why this one? <laughs> well, that's that's who we are. That's what we're all about. So um, rural communities, um, agriculture. Um, I love the, the um, phrase that talks about, I have to get out of the city. Um, I... I actually did the opposite of most of the world during the pandemic. I moved to the city <laughs> versus vice versa. So for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm getting a taste of what it looks like to live in the middle of a, an, actually the fourth largest city in the U.S. And I can promise you that I look forward to when I get to get out of the city and head towards the country. So... <laughs>
Christine, the theme of our show is positive but not deluded. I'm interested, coming from your perspective, representing the family behind the the foundation, where you see the sort of the the long term positive but not deluded. What's the sort of the role of the mindset of the family about wanting to do this good work? Well, as you were talking earlier, it struck me that one of the lessons from the pandemic is how resilient we can be. And that is true, I think, in any multi-generational family endeavor. There's a lot of resilience that is exhibited by that, just by the fact that it has lasted as long as it has. So uh, there's something, I don't know if it gets baked into the DNA or to the population or however that works, but uh, we do learn how to do workarounds, how to look at a situation and figure out what are the possible solutions and you know what what's the priority of the plans that we're going to to make to deal with this. Um, the other thing I think that happens is uh, innovation. You know, we try to figure out new ways to solve problems, and uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it's uh, dire circumstances that that. Uh, provoke innovation. So uh, I think as long as we have those two things, they provide hope. And of course, if you have folks around you, you can trust and have good relationships with, and that's the best of all worlds. Does that multi-generational come with a responsibility, but also a value set of we're doing this for both those previous generations, but also projecting that forward? It does absolutely provide an opportunity to be part of something larger than myself. And uh, same with the MHCH Foundation work, you know, it gives us an opportunity to to do things that impact uh, people's lives more than just one individual or two individual lives. So for me, that's very, very rewarding. There's a sense of stewardship. It's not just oh, I get to be this generation and this family, and so now I get to decide. It's not just all up to me. So um, that kind of stewardship, I think, is a, is a good perspective to, to look at challenges from. 
can you buy into that sense of that long-term vision? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and, um, yeah, it really, it, it is, it's a stewardship exactly like Christine said. I mean, that's a, a very, that's the, the perfect word. So it's a stewardship to the individuals that created the ability to even to, to have MHCH, the MHCH foundation, um, and what the impact looks like moving forward. So, um, absolutely. I have some questions to end the show and we're going to try and do them both for both of you, all for both of you, whichever way around that is. Let's make it just, just go, shall we? Let's go with Corey first. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, I think that that's an easy one. That would be the Global Rural Nursing Exchange Network. Oh. What's that? So the Global Rural Nursing Exchange Network um, is a platform um, that was created during the pandemic so that nurses around the globe can connect, support each other, learn from each other. Um, we provide webinars, other learning opportunities, research opportunities, opp opportunities for nursing students to collaborate in the classroom. Um, so it would have to be that. Christine? Oh, I'm definitely going with that as well. That <laughs> has provided a lot of excitement and, um, you know, just really uh, opportunities and uh, and fun, frankly. So we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are both in that team. What I'd like to know is what is your superpower? Christine? Uh, listening. Listening. Corey? Hmm. Co connections, I guess. I, I, it's hard for me to think of myself as a hero or a superpower, but um, I think that it would have to be the connections. We're going down that line of everyday heroes, that everybody is doing a heroic job, <laughs> and they're not real superpowers and they're not laser eyes or, or flying, but they're actually better ones that people we can learn from. And we can develop those those traits in, in in other people. Corey, do you consider yourself to be an activist? Oh wow! You know, I don't think so. Um, to me, that seems like an extreme word, and I don't know why. Um, I think that. Um, hmm, I don't even quite know how to answer that question. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. all right. Christine. I would say that uh, that I don't consider myself to be an activist, and maybe that's because of, uh, you know, being coming from the 70s. I'm not an activist in that sense. But I would point out, Corey, that you did choose uh, Marley's Stir It Up uh, song as one of the finalists. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> Those maybe you're more of an activist than you Well, you, you know, they're actually all, they, all of these songs came from the 70s. So, yeah, I, kind of support, I think I sort of surprised myself with that. But, yeah, uh, the songs would certainly suggest that, wouldn't they? Uh, I will say this. Um, for the first time, I think, in, um, in my memory, um, I have 
felt that I'm living in an environment where I need to be very, very careful um, about what I say um, in terms of politics, um, even things that you would think that would not matter so much. Um, you know, have you been vaccinated or have you not been vaccinated? Um, and um, it's been really interesting to me. Um, I don't know that this is if this is something that's shared around the globe, but certainly in the U.S., um, there's this new level of intensity um, that I, in my personal experience, my entire life have never experienced. Um, we even see it um, playing out within families now that can be pretty divisive. Um, so it's a very interesting time. You have to, you, you know, you you have to be be careful in the way you maneuver and the things that you say to people and maybe assumptions that you make that aren't necessarily accurate. So. What can we do to overcome that anti-science, anti-vax perspective? Which, as you say, it, it's probably always been there, but the, the the intensity is a good word to describe it. Yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, some of this is possibly from, you know, the, the dynamic of um, social media has exploded over the past couple of decades. And unfortunately, our social infrastructures and legal system and, and all of those things haven't really kept up with that explosion. And so, um, you know, much of it is misinformation um, on social media, on the internet. And so, um, you know, hopefully we can make some strides with that, right? Um, and, um, you know, I think that um, lots of the situations that I'm aware of personally, when you dig, when you dig a little deeper um, to try and understand why some, someone may be confused, um, generally, it's something that came from social media or the Internet. Um, and um, we have some very, very um, uh, smart um, applications on the Internet now that know how to allow people to uh, any thought that you may have become self-fulfilling. Right. So I think that's certainly part of it. It's 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 dealing with with strategies that are designed to help with misinformation. Do you think the divisions that it has caused or perhaps exposed, do you think we're stuck with those or are they particularly in those sort of rural areas or are they, are we going to be able to overcome them? I think that we are going to move on. We're going to just keep moving on from them. Um, those of us who choose to be positive and talk more and communicate, I think can, can overcome individually uh, and small small groups uh, as as a whole, um, you know, it's sorry to bring statistics into it, but it's probably a bell curve. Christine, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? You know, I've I've been able to be fortunate enough to have my lifestyle such that every day is a little different, every week is different, and I love that variety. So uh, it, it's it's that and all of the activities, you know, are uh, different folks are are involved in different aspects of what I do. So I, I get to interact with all different kinds of people. So it's really fun. And grounded by having a farm 
ranch to by the ground. Yeah, yeah by the <laughs> land. Lori. <laughs> What gets me out of the bed in, in the morning? I guess I'd have to say family. Yeah. I think I think that would just, that's the one word that comes to mind. Yeah. Corey, what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, wow. Um, one would be to continue to grow the, um, the network. Um, that we launched during the pandemic. Um, another would be to um, see my youngest graduate from college, like fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Um, those are the those are the two that come to mind in, initially. <laughs> Christine. Well, I I'm going to go with the first one. I have uh, a lot of confidence that uh, Corey Sum will graduate. His name is Sam, by the way. So <laughs> That's a good name. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good name. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm looking forward to just, we have eight grandchildren, so I'm, I'm looking forward to spending time with with them and, and with their parents and, uh, and traveling in addition to, you know, work successes. And lastly, Christine, do you have any advice for our listeners? Never give up, I guess, would be would be the thing that comes to mind. Uh, it'll get better. Yeah. Corey? I uh, just stay positive. We will indeed. Mawera. Ladies, it's been a great joy to listen to you talking today about this incredible work that you're doing in your communities. And I just wanted to say thank you because unless people are willing to do what you're doing, then the job that you're doing and the impact of it never gets done and never gets felt. So it's an amazing thing that you do. And uh, and I congratulate you on, on making this huge commitment to the well-being of others, not just in your own communities, but supporting communities of practice outside of your own areas. So, yeah, well done and thank you. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Just a boy 
you've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Faces Ooh La La. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, and from outside Houston, Texas, we've been joined by Corey Gilgore, and from South Dakota by Christine Hamilton. That of Blowing Bubbles, we hope you enjoyed the show. Matewa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.